lack of defense stings the Hawks. We never really established defensively that we could get stops consistently. Welcome into the Hawks Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I'm Daniel Salerson. A tough go for the Hawks in Charlotte Monday night. More on that in a minute. On today's show, AJC beat reporter Lauren Williams and I will discuss how important it is for the Hawks to build some momentum heading into the All-Star break. Plus, you'll hear from the newest members of the Hawks, Sadiq Bey, Garrison Matthews, and Bruno Fernando. This is the Hawks Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. Hip-hop is a product of black people. It's a product of black song and celebration. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution presents Hip-hop's most pulled elements are pulled from the South. A Southern hip-hop story. We always go back to that moment of the Source Awards. Everybody wants a rhythm, but they don't want your blues. The biggest names in hip-hop. Atlanta is still the mecca for hip-hop. 50 years. No one can deny. One film. The power of the South now. The South got something to say. Streaming now at AJC.com slash hip-hop. If you enjoy scoring, Monday night was the perfect game for you. If you enjoy defense, you might want to cover your ears. The Hawks lose in the shootout to the Charlotte Hornets 144 to 138. Charlotte does whatever they want, scoring 35 or more points in each quarter. Head coach Nate McMillan. We just have to come out with urgency and uh, really urgency on the defensive end of the floor, establishing defense that we can get stops. And teams are not putting up 30-plus point quarters on us you know, throughout the game uh, as they did tonight. Sadiq Bey makes his Hawks debut starting in the place of John Collins. Bay is one of seven Hawks in double figures, finishing with 12 points on three of five shooting from beyond the arc. It felt good to play with those guys, you know, because of the, the trade. I actually haven't even been able to get into the gym for the past three days, so today was like the first time I was even there to, you know, work out and stuff. So I just think it was good um, to be able to get out there and compete with the guys. Hey, Lauren. What happened to the Hawks' defense that allowed the Hornets to knock down 23s? Yeah, Daniel, it just seemed apparent that from the start, the Hawks just didn't have the right defensive urgency to start this game. Now, they ended up allowing the Hornets to shoot 33% from three in the first quarter, but the Hornets still managed to hold on to the lead from the start of the game and never really, they never surrendered it for the rest of the night. Now, the, the Hornets ended up shooting about 60% in the second and third quarters, which of course is plenty of three-pointers to build up a lead. And even though the Hawks did try to put some pressure on the Hornets offensively on the other end, it just wasn't enough to pull out the game. The Hawks fall back to 500 at 29 and 29 and sit two games back of the Knicks for seventh in the Eastern Conference. Elena will have a chance to gain a game back on New York on Wednesday night when they host the Knicks in the last game before the All-Star break. Don't forget to check out the Hawks after the game pages in the AJC e-paper and online at AJC.com, which is only available if you subscribe at subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast. Okay, Lauren, I'll let you try and figure out this Hawks squad. Yeah, Daniel, it's it's amazing to see what this Hawks team is capable of when things are going really, really well 
and when they're going really, really poorly. But we don't want to touch too much on that because you talked really well about Monday night's game against the Hornets. Today, we're going to get a chance to hear from the three newest Hawks members. That's Garrison Matthews, Bruno Fernando, and of course, Sadiq Bey. We're going to hear from Garrison first. You know, he talks about what it, where he was when he heard that tri- heard about the trade and and all of that. So here's what he had to say about joining the Hawks. I knew maybe a possibility I was going to get traded, but I didn't know for sure. And me and my agent were kind of skeptical. But uh, we were sitting there in film, and you know, I had you know I hadn't had Twitter in a while. Like I deleted it last year and or months ago. And so uh, I turned it on just for the trade talks and put on Woj and Shams notifications and um, my, my phone was sitting on my lap when we were filming. Usually I never have my phone, but it's trade. It's like, whatever. And I get a call from my agent and obviously I didn't answer it. And then I see my name and Bruno's pop up on, uh, what was just tweet? And I was like, what? And I looked at Bruno, I was like, what in the world? And it was just, it was just a crazy moment. You know, I've never been traded. So it was a pretty surreal moment. You know, it was, and I'm excited. Like I was, you know, I'm close to home. You know, it's funny. My girlfriend and her family live here. So it's, you know, I love being here. It's, you know, great guys, great organization. You know, Houston, they, they did a lot for me. I'm super thankful for, to them. You know, Rafael, the GM, Tillman, the owners, you know, they, they did a ton for me. And can't thank them enough for the opportunity they gave me. Players, they're just like us, turning on tweet notifications from Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN and Sham Sharania of The Athletic. Um, yeah, I think that it's always great when a player can kind of create a home environment for themselves. I think that might bode well for them, um, especially when it comes to settling in and, and trying to not only fit into the scheme of things, but the culture of things, because they now have this tie to the city. But, you know, Gabe Burns, Michael Cunningham and I, we talked about it quite a bit in our special episode after the trade deadline of what Garrison Matthews will bring to this team. So we won't go too much into that, but you know, it's always great to have another shooter on the floor, but also Garrison Matthews will bring some defense that, you know, can help bolster that second unit, especially because we know that, you know, Bogdan Bogdanovich has been, you know, dealing with some, you know, knee injuries. He's, he was questionable for Monday's game and and that's kind of slowed him down a little bit, as Michael Cunningham pointed out on Friday's episode. But AJ Griffin, he's still a work in progress on that end. So to have another person who who can you know add a little bit of juice to to that unit will will be great. But obviously, they also added in Bruno Fernando, who was a part of the Hawks organization a couple of years ago. And and now he'll probably back, not probably, he will back up uh, Onyeka Okongwu, Clint Capella, who's the starter, and be kind of that third unit center, which is great to have. And, you know, he's obviously added some pieces to his game, um, you know, at shooter ground following the trade on Saturday. You know, it was noticed that he was working on his three-point shot. That's not to say that he's going to be a stretch five by any means, but It's always great to have a center who might have that in their back pocket and they're trying to add to their game. And, you know, every coach is going to talk about players who who add things, you know, every season. And it may not necessarily click automatically, but 
Obviously, we've seen Onyeko Okongwu. He knocked down a three-pointer in that Phoenix game a couple of weeks ago. So it's always great to see guys kind of add that into their, their back pocket because that's just the direction of where the league is heading. So here's Bruno talking about where he was when he found out about the trade. It was crazy. We was watching film because um, uh, we had a trip to Miami um, the day of it. And we were literally getting ready to get on to get on a plane and fly down. So we were sitting down watching the film. Um, and uh, Garrison showed me the screen on his phone. And I, I couldn't see at first. I was like, just asking him to tell me. He wouldn't tell me because we were at film. And then I see my phone. Um, I was getting a FaceTime call from Nick. And that's when I kind of started putting one and two together. I'm like, okay, I guess it happened. But I had no idea where it was to first. But once Nick FaceTimed me, I was like, okay, I'm going back to Atlanta. Yeah, so obviously Garrison Matthews and Bruno Fernando both are coming from Houston. So again, that's another positive sign or or a good thing just to have two people who who come from similar backgrounds. Obviously, Bruno is familiar with the Atlanta Hawks system, familiar with Nate McMillan. So Daniel, when you hear about players, you know, just kind of like us finding about finding out about trades via Twitter as opposed to, you know, some secret system that you think would happen in the NBA where they find out before us. Just what goes through your mind? Yeah, it's interesting because I think it happened to Spencer Dinwiddie too when he found out he was being traded to Brooklyn in the Kyrie Irving trade. He he mentioned how he found out over Twitter with uh with with Shams and and his breaking news and so it is interesting to find when you find out that you're traded on social media not from an agent or your agent's trying to call you and you're in film session, but I think it's a stressful time for these players. And obviously I can't speak for them, but if you kind of have an idea that you, you never know, you might be traded that those few days leading up to the trade deadline are stressful because you might not want to leave. You might have any inclination that you are going to go somewhere. And then all of a sudden you're going somewhere you have no control over too. So luckily I think for Bruno and Garrison, you know, Bruno's going back to where everything started in Atlanta. Garrison played a Lipscomb in Nashville. So, and he mentioned his girlfriend, already lives here so the fact that that helps and i think for guys like those two they're going from a team that has no shot of making the playoffs to a team that's going to be at least in the play-in conversation and hopefully more than that uh come april and may so the fact that they are going to play some some important and meaningful basketball i think for them kind of eases the fact that they were traded garrett and said he's never been traded before so i'm sure it's an adjustment but yeah it's crazy that he hasn't been on twitter for so long and he's like you know what you never know. So I'm going to put it back on. And sure enough, you see your see your own name on a Woj mm-hmm. tweet has got to be <laughs> so surreal and, and trippy. Also, yeah, trippy and awkward. And yeah, they're watching film now that he's not to pay attention to that film session anymore. Knowing <laughs> that he's not going to be on that team anymore. But it's pretty interesting to hear how some guys find out whether they do hear from their front office or some that have no communication with their front office and find yeah. out like everyone else that they've been traded. Yeah, it's it's funny because uh, it, it makes me think back to when we talked to DeAndre Hunter earlier this season when he found out about his extension because we were all like, so, you know, how did you find out? You know, did your agent call you? Did did you find out, you know, from the front office? Like, how does that work? He's like, actually, I was asleep. <laughs> he was taking a nap and his people, his brother and like family and everyone was trying to reach him. And again, players, they're just like us. They find out about this stuff via Twitter. And and you would think that 
And I, I guess maybe this is me showing my ignorance about the rules of team communication and everything like that. But you would think that Houston would at least, you know, maybe pull them aside and, and say, hey, uh, we we worked out a deal. We're going to send you to Atlanta. Um, and I by no means expect Atlanta or whichever team it is you're being traded to to reach out. It's not like the draft where you get to call, get a call from owners, general managers, all of that sort of stuff. But you would expect the the original team to, to break the news as opposed to, you know, finding out on Twitter with the rest of the world. So that's really strange. But I think for someone who another young talent in this cohort of uh, acquisitions that the Hawks have made, over the last couple of days. I think the strangest one was probably Sadiq Bey because he wasn't even sure if he was going to be on this team for at least 72 hours. You know, of course, he was a part of that four-team deal where Golden State sent James Weissman to the Pistons. Uh, the Pistons sent Sadiq Bey to Golden State. The Hawks acquired Sadiq Bey for five second-round picks. Golden State then sent those five second round picks to the Portland Trailblazers to acquire Gary Payton II. And then the Trailblazers, in addition to those five picks, also acquired Kevin Knox from the from the Pistons. Now, of course, when Gary Payton II got to, to Golden State, they found out that he had a core muscle injury and allegedly he'd been taking Toradol shots for those. His agent has denied that. I mean, the NBA is just messy. And so basically, we were all waiting. All three other teams were waiting to figure out whether or not Golden State would accept the trade. And because everything was past the trade deadline, nothing could be amended. So it's not as if, say, Golden State decided, you know what, we're we're not going to take Gary Payton, but we'll keep, we'll let everybody else keep the players that they acquired or whatever, whatever. No, that couldn't happen. <laughs> so if they decided not to accept the deal, then everything would fall through. And I, I and from what I understand, everything would revert back to the original teams. And so for for much of that time, based on the reporting of both ESPN and The Athletic, Golden State was just trying to figure out a way how to let their grievance be heard while still accepting the deal. And eventually they worked out something with the NBA. The NBA is not going to investigate how everything happened, but all the players that were traded are now with their new teams. So I I can understand that with somebody like Sadiq Bey, again, I covered him uh, for a couple of years after he was drafted by the Pistons while I was in Detroit. He's a gym rat. He loves, loves the game of basketball. And I can't imagine having to sit out that time and not be able to suit up for practice, shoot around, whatever it is, because you're just waiting to find out your fate. And of course, I think the other awkward side of it is that after the Pistons had traded him, uh, you know, there was that report about him, you know, having tunnel vision. It was wearing on some of the people in the the Pistons front office. And, you know, if he had to go back, that would have been kind of awkward. 
and, and I'm not going to speak for Sadiq because obviously we'll get a chance to hear what all of that kind of meant to him. But Daniel, have you ever seen a situation as messy as this ever <laughs> at the trade uh, deadline? Not at the trade deadline, but I was part of the Anthony Davis fiasco in New Orleans where mm-hmm. at the time Adam Silver was not allowing AD to sit out if he was healthy or not allowing the Pelicans to sit him out. So it was a mm-hmm. very awkward situation where whether he was hurt or not and every single day having, having to ask Coach Gentry, is he playing, is he not playing? Mm-hmm. And no one wanted to answer those questions because they all knew that he just demanded a trade. Mm-hmm. So when it finally went down, I mean, after the season, we had, I mean, that happened in January where he requested the trade. It was an awkward, awkward three months of AD, you know, saying, I'll, I'll go to any team. Where do you want to mm-hmm. go? Even though the Lakers are probably his destination, trying to force the Pelicans to trade during the deadline and mm. Pelicans holding back. I think that was probably, at least for me, a real life experience of how messy the situation is. I don't think this one was. As bad, just more like you mm-hmm. mentioned, awkward and would have been really awkward if all these players had to go back to their old teams after they mm-hmm. wanted to trade them. But that was probably the messiest situation for me. And I think the NBA has learned from that trade situation um, where now they do most likely allow the players to sit out if they yeah. are demanding a trade. But yeah, to, to be the guinea pig of that experience with that trade was, was not fun for anyone within the organization because as a team yeah. employee, like what can you do? And trying to figure out what to say and what not to say about someone that right. doesn't want to be there but still has to play on your team and was on the floor right throughout the rest of the regular season. And so, yeah, that was a pretty crazy time. But uh, this was very interesting. And just fact, after we did our trade deadline show, and then you're like, all right, well, now we might not have Sadiq Bay. And exactly, you know, he was one of the main pieces. It's nothing against Garrison and Bruno, but mm-hmm. Sadiq is the one that's probably going to play the most minutes out of the mm-hmm. three mm-hmm. and probably have the most impact on the rotations that if you send him back, you know, that's a tough mm-hmm. loss for a guy that yeah. is capable of shooting well from three and, and is going to bring some scoring off the bench. So mm-hmm. I'm glad that everything played out, but yeah, I mean, that's gotta be a very awkward situation for all four teams and all the players involved and Sadiq just sitting there like, yeah, I might be playing for y'all, but I also might not be. Yeah. And quickly before we hear from, from Sadiq about what it was like experiencing that situation, From what I understand, if he had to go back to Detroit, you know, that would have at least allowed the Hawks an opportunity to explore the buyout market, especially because there's so many, you know, interesting veterans like Patrick Beverly. Uh, We saw Terrence Ross end up going to Phoenix. Uh, We just see saw Dwayne Dedman, former Hawks legend, (laughs) go to go to the 76ers. So you know, they would have been able to at least kind of take a look at what was on that market. Whereas now that the the deal has gone through, uh, they have no need to. And so before we get off on a tangent, because we know you guys really want to hear from from Sadiq, you know, this, it's just, as you just said, Daniel, it's great to see that he now has a home with the Hawks. Landry Fields kind of mentioned it in that press conference following the initial announcement of the trade that, you know, having that change of scenery might just be what Sadiq needs to kind of maybe break out of that streakiness that he's had throughout his, his three years in the league. But 
without further ado, here is Sadiq Bey at shootaround on Monday ahead of the Hawks' game against the Hornets. I know you're a big gym guy, big gym rat. So what was that waiting period like? It was crazy, you know. I, um, I was waiting. I didn't know what it was going to be, what the future was going to be. But I'm excited to be here, you know. I'm just blessed for the opportunity. So uh, it's good to be able to just get back in the gym with these guys. When did you find out about the trade? Uh, late last night. Yeah. Uh, they had some 9.30 and it was, you know, towards the deadline. You know, so I just, I just found out last night and I was just excited to find out. When did you find out about the initial trade before they, the, um, they went in limbo? A little bit like the morning the morning of trade deadline, probably yeah. like 1.30, I was like, it was a possibility. Yeah. And I didn't know about the Hawks until like midday on um, trade deadline. So, you know, it was it was surprising, uh, but I'm excited. Yeah, I think I remember seeing a video of you at the practice facility back yeah. in Detroit, yeah. you leaving, and then now you found out you're going to Atlanta. So right. just, what is... The most exciting part about coming to this team? This, you know, they have a great, they have a great thing going. Uh, winning games, they playing together. Um, it's a co- cohesive unit, so I just wanted to, you know, try to seamlessly be a part of it. Uh, and I'm just excited to be here and, you know, when watching these guys at the camaraderie that they have. I'm just excited to be a part of it. What have Landry and Coach McMillan kind of talked to you about where you might fit in with this roster? Uh, you know, they have a lot of versatile players, um, both ends of the floor, so. You know, like I said before, it's, it's tough mid-season. They have a good thing going. So you know, whatever role they need me to do, I'm comfortable doing so. So you got to wait and see. They've talked about you doing a mix of like the three and the four. Just how excited are you to maybe do both both positions? Well, I'm just excited to be on the floor, to be honest <laughs> with you. Um, you know, wherever I'm needed, whatever yeah. role, I'm prepared for it. So you know, I'm just ready to you know, help this organization. What is it like adjusting to a new team and a new system? Like, yeah. I mean, it's almost two thirds of the way through the season now. Is, it, is that difficult? Yeah, it's my first time ever doing this, so yeah. we, we're going to see how it goes. But um, you know, I, they, the coaching staff, the players, they've done a great job of welcoming mm-hmm. me. Um, and you know, that's just you know, they've been playing. They play hard. They play together. Yeah. So uh, it's not going to be too hard to to get adjusted, but. Uh, I'm just trying to fit in with them. Yeah, has there been a certain you know coach or player that's kind of like helped take, taking you under their wing the last couple of days? Um, everybody, man. <laughs> everybody, like from top to bottom. Yeah. Um, you know, so I can't think. Any, I can't think all of them enough. I'm just excited to be here. All right, as I said, that was Sadiq Bay giving us kind of a, a rundown, a recap in his first media availability as a member of the Hawks. Um, again, that was at shoot around ahead of the Hawks' matchup against the Hornets. And we're going to go ahead and kind of get into the Hawks' upcoming schedule. But before that, this is the Hawks report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC. I'm Ernie Suggs. And I'm Ned Ravone. Atlanta has been known as the Black Mecca for so many years, but that means something different to everybody. It means everything to me. Every day I wake up, I learn something new. Well, you all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that Black people might want to know about. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologetically ATL. Welcome back to the Hawks Report. 
from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I just wanted to thank everyone who subscribes to the AJC and AJC.com. It's what makes all of this possible. Now, if you haven't joined our community yet, we have a special deal right now for listeners of this podcast. You can get unlimited digital access to everything the AJC has to offer for the next six months for just 99 cents. That's all of our stories on AJC, our terrific e-paper, and all of our newsletters, including Bradley's Buzz from the legendary columnist Mark Bradley. That's just 99 cents for the next six months. So to take advantage of this offer, you can go to subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast. That's subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast. So you always know what's really going on. Cool. Welcome back. So, Daniel, I feel like there is a lot of momentum kind of building up now that we're heading into the All-Star break. It's the weirdly unofficial halfway mark of the season, even though it's way past the halfway mark. <laughs> yeah, it's it's interesting how they do that as far as halfway through the season or the complete opposite of halfway through the season. They're almost done mm-hmm. with the season when they do take their all-star break. I know a lot of that probably has to do with the Super Bowl and the mm-hmm. um, the NFL playoffs because you don't want the all-star break when you want the attention to be on the NBA being on the same weekend as like an NFC and AFC championship game mm-hmm. or, or something like that. So you get why it is not officially halfway through the season. The Hawks are going to be 59 games in mm-hmm. once the all-star break hits, which means you only have 23 games to go when you get back. So, so Lauren, my thing is, I know momentum is a, is, is something that I think every team wants to have going into the all-star break, but, but how important Mm -hmm. is it for the Hawks who have been so inconsistent and have not been able to string a ton of wins together besides that five game winning streak? How Mm -hmm. big can it be for this team to gain some momentum heading into this all-star break? I think it's, Huge. I mean, heading into the all-star break, you'd love to see them get, you know, a little bit of separation from 500. Right now they're 29 and 28. So it would be kind of great to see them, you know, get a couple more games ahead of 500, including Monday night. At this point, you want to see them beating the teams that they're quote unquote expected to beat. And of course, Nate McMillan has said that he wants his team to play the game of basketball, not the record. And that's something that they've struggled with this season. I think that if they're going to be the the team that they're capable of being night in and night out, they're going to be fighting, playing with urgency. You know, those buzzwords that coach McMillan likes to throw out, out scrapping their opponent, no matter who it is, because You know, after Saturday's win over the Spurs, I did ask Coach McMillan about whether or not this team or how how they avoid playing to the level of the team that they're competing against that night. And, you know, he, he gave a lot of credit to San Antonio, especially because they were coming off of a double overtime loss to the Pistons the night before, yet the Hawks kind of had a very slow start when they they played them on Saturday. So 
coming out of the gate, they need to be the more aggressive team, especially because they have a more talented roster. So I don't know if it's that there's a little bit uh, of a lack of buy-in as far as being aggressive, but you definitely want to see them just get off on the right foot. And so heading into the all-star break, that's consistently, I think, what we should be seeing from them is they're coming out of the gate with the right attitude, the right way of playing, and, and sticking to the game plan that they clearly talk about before each game. So I think it's very important for, for us to see them get these next couple of games, the Hornets as well as the Knicks on Wednesday and head into the all-star break with a nice solid record. And then again, they'll be rested and come back strong. Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, momentum will play a big role. But when you look at the acquisitions of these three players, I mean, you also got better, technically, I think, on paper. You lose Justin Holiday and Frank Kaminsky, who weren't really a part of the rotation. You add a guy like Sadiq Bey, who's going to be in the rotation. And the good news is, is even with Garrison and Bruno, you have a couple of games to implement them and see what they can do. And if you can, you know, either pull away in a game or, you know, you have a comfortable lead then that makes it even better where they can kind of go in there and just say all right kind of learn what learn how to play with these guys because it is going to be an adjustment and so you are basically playing two games and then you take a break and then you have to come back and so a lot of it will be done afterwards but of course the main goal for the hawks after this all-star break is avoid the playing so Mm -hmm. how do you do that well you got to string wins together going winning two games, losing one, winning two games, losing one, or winning every other one is going to keep you in the same position that you are now, which is an eighth trying to get over the hump at seven and and six. And you have a chance on Wednesday to gain a game on the Knicks. Mm -hmm. So that could be big. You still have a two games at Miami. Um, That will be very crucial as far as where you stand trying to get the six. And you never know Mm -hmm. again with this buyout market, which players are going to be with which teams because Miami could always be that team that, secures uh someone from the buyout market that's kind of how they do things too because they're pretty quiet at the trade deadline um so it is going to be interesting to see how the hawks fare here and not only these final couple games hitting at the all-star break but Mm -hmm. kind of taking that momentum hopefully that they gain and taking it out of the all-star break with a few games at home Mm -hmm. and really getting on a nice streak to be like all right this team is now fighting for fifth or sixth not Mm -hmm. trying to hang on to one of those playing games where they're going to have to fight their way to get into the playoffs again. For sure. And I think when you look at the standings, so Wednesday's matchup against the Knicks is going to be the last time that the Hawks see them in the regular season. So the window is closing for them to kind of make that jump over, over these, these teams. I mean, of course, the other thing that you can probably watch for, um, and, I don't know if it works out in their favor. Um, We touched on it a little bit in that special episode on Friday about the Nets and where they are now that they're in their post-Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving era. I mean, they've lost one, and while Cleveland has won six, which has allowed them to jump back into the top four, and Brooklyn is now fifth. So... If things continue moving in that direction, that might also give the the Hawks a chance to kind of bump up in in the rankings. But to do that, they're going to have to keep winning games. 
of course, you don't expect them to win out because that's just vi- as they'll they're the first to tell you it's hard to win in the NBA. Right. But um, yeah, I mean, they have a really important stretch in this this final about what two months ish. <laughs> they less than two um, months, which will be crazy. Yeah, it's so crazy. So yeah, so we'll see if, as I mentioned, they have that buy-in and. I think maybe adding in some fresh, fresh blood, coupled with the fact that Trey Young, you know, was out of the All Star game. The the Hawks definitely have a little bit of a chip on their shoulder, and I'm sure they're they're looking forward to proving the doubters wrong. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they took care of business against Phoenix. They took care of business against San Antonio. That was one of their biggest issues. I mean two of Charlotte's wins this season have been against Atlanta. Like those are the games Mm -hmm. that you're going to want back when you look at the final standings and go, man, if only we beat this team Mm -hmm. twice or man, we didn't lose this game. And so you can't afford to have many more of those in the second half. If you want to climb up, like I agree with you. I think Cleveland's going too far ahead that you're really worrying about them. Mm-hmm. Brooklyn's still a solid team, even though they did lose Kevin Durant and, and Kyrie Irving. The the players that they got back have given them a solid team. They don't have a guy, but they have mm-hmm. a bunch of really good role players that you don't know how they're going to play with each other. But at the same time, I think they're still going to be keeping themselves in the middle of the pack there. It's just going to depend mm-hmm. on you got to take it one team at a time. You take care of the Knicks on Wednesday. You try to jump them. Then, all right, keep them in your rearview mirror. And then you focus in on Miami and go from there. But like you mentioned, none of that matters unless you start stringing some wins together. And, you know, they, they have started a little bit and, and hopefully they can continue that to to maybe ride that momentum into securing a one through six spot and not having to mm-hmm. worry about the playing. And I think the other thing is, and and they've all touched on it, too. When I say they, I mean, coaches, players, it's important for them. And of course, we have as well, but it's important for them to now be way better at taking care of business at home than they are on the road. And I think we're kind of starting to see that even out a little bit. They're 15 and 11 at home, 14 and 17 on the road. And for the rest of the season, it's pretty home heavy. Um, As of now, they only have 10, like nine road games, not Mm -hmm. counting Monday's game against the Hornets. So, I mean, if you if the majority of your games are at home, you should be you should be in a really good position because you you have the advantage. You have the fans in your favor. You know that arena. And so this is a really good stretch for them. If you think about it, to try and make those jumps. I'm not sure how many other teams have home heavy schedules in that mix, but. You want to see them take advantage of the fact that this last, let's call it month and a half of the season, is is basically at State Farm Arena. I think you make a great point as far as taking care of home court because the fact that they have 14 wins on the road heading mm-hmm. into Charlotte, that's not bad. I, I We've talked about this before. If you can hang around 500 on the road and take care of business at home, you're a pretty solid playoff team. The problem is, is mm-hmm. when you have 11 losses at home, you really haven't had that home court advantage. So if you can get some momentum get more butts in the seats. You really feel the last playoff push with the fans getting behind, like, all right, this team is starting to figure things out. Mm-hmm. And they take care of that home business. Then you start to see the wins. You start to get above, way above 500 instead of just hovering around 500. 
and then trying to gain that momentum heading into late March and early April, which is when you see the teams that ride the momentum actually have some pretty successful playoff runs. So mm-hmm. we thought on paper that this team would be a top four, top five team at the beginning of the season, but maybe they start playing like one of them at the end of the year and take them in the playoffs where maybe a team at the top is like, I don't want to see these Hawks in the first round, a a two or a three seed that has to play them as a six. Mm -hmm. Um, That's not going to be an easy six, three matchup. If you're facing a a healthy Hawks squad that only got better with adding Sadiq and Garrison Mm -hmm. and Bruno. So I completely agree that taking care of home court, not again, alternating wins and losses at home could be the biggest difference of whether they are playing in the playoffs or playing in the play-in to start the postseason. Very true. Well, we've talked your ear off all all show. You guys got a chance to hear from the newest members of the Hawks, but we'll be back with you guys next week as usual. We'll be able to to break down the All-Star break or All-Star game meaning just AJ Griffin in the rising stars game. And that of course won't be the entire show. So we would love to continue hearing from you guys. So please feel free to tweet questions at Daniel or myself all week. Uh, Daniel, go ahead and tell them where they can find you on Twitter. It's at D Salerson. No, no hate tweets, just nice mailbag tweets for next week. (laughs) Of course. And you guys can find me at Williams, Lauren L or shoot me an email at lauren.williams at ajc.com. We'll catch you next week. And until then, I'm Lauren Williams, and this is the Hawks Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution.